day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, welcome to our program today. Hunty, he is our, now, I'm, now this is the last program for this year. It is for us, yep. And I'm trying to work out, and I reckon I've worked it out, what your position is. What's my position? In radio, yes. you are the producer. Okay. You know where I got that from? Who? I was listening to 2GB the other day and oh, there was yeah. something awful went wrong. <laughs> the guy who was the announcer said, and now my producer will fix this. this. And I thought, you know what, that's what Hunt is. Because we, we move between television and radio and so I get a bit confused because I'm not a real tech head like you at the different, because in, in, in television you're the producer director, is that right? Yes. Look, the producer's often responsible for content often responsible for the hiring and firing of the crew. But, in, yeah, in our situation, I'm definitely responsible for the mistakes. I think the producer <laughs> in radio does not hire and fire the crew somehow. He's the guy on the other side that runs the program. Yeah, runs the program. So exactly. you're the runner of collects, the program. Collects the information, puts the segments together. If, if anything yeah. goes wrong, we blame Hunter. Yeah, that's my spot. <laughs> I feel quite comfortable there. Mate, how are you? I'm pretty good because we're about to go on holidays. No, right. In fact, this is our last program until February. Yep. And we, both Hunty and I, this is the first time, I reckon, ever that we've gone away on holidays at the same time. Ever. Ever. That's right. And we're kind of headed in the same direction, north. We're almost like royalty or, or, or high-up government agents where they're not allowed to fly in the same plane. <laughs> We're about as far from royalty and high up government agents. Let me tell our, our listeners the truth. The reason is that when we go away, either Hunty stays with the church yep. and makes sure it runs, or I stay with the church and we make sure it runs. But That's true. One of us is responsible for holding the fort. Yeah, but mm. this time we're getting our elders to hold the fort. So, and our elders are the other leaders in the church. And we reckon they're up to it, Hunty. Hey, you know what? We got a great program lined up this afternoon. Don't you think they're up to it? They're definitely up to it. We're good elders. Hunty's <laughs> <laughs> moving up a lot. I'm trying to move you along, yeah. Because we got a, we got a big cram full of full of guests. Great program. Um, a regular uh, favourite Harold Harker. He'll be on first. He's been away. He has been away. Where was he? He's been jet sitting overseas. Do you know where he was? Yes, um, Norfolk or Lord Howe. Lord Howe. Lord Howe. We'll ask him. We'll ask him. Yep. But I reckon he was at Lord Howe. And we've got um, we've got Simon. Giliotti, he's You've got, got that right. Yeah, he's, he's got a great segment. He's actually got to come back and finish answering the questions that we started last week. That's right. Where we were talking about um, parents, kids, church, God, and how we as parents... We're coming at it from more the, the parents' side of it. How do you relate when kids don't go down the road exactly that you might want? Yeah. That's absolutely. a good segment, that. It is. And um, coming up after that, we've got Wayne Baum. He's a friend of ours, a good friend of ours. He runs the uh, Adventist Media's Discovery Centre. And we have a live link to our guy on the ground in the Solomon Islands. There's been some trouble over there. Yep. And real real trouble, so much so that the Aussies have had to send some of our federal police over there again. Yes. And so this guy yes. is right on the ground. We'll ask him some questions on what's going on and with ADRA. Yep. ADRA, who are they? Um, ADRA is the Adventist Development and Relief Agency, little known fact, one of the largest development relief agencies in the world. And they're over there right in the midst of it. Yep. So we'll be talking... Water, food, clothing, helping out where they can. So I'll be talking to this guy. Yes. 
So yes, look, Stephen, Stephen Tasker, he is right on the ground as our ADRA representative. Yeah, and our yeah. correspondent. Yeah. We made him our correspondent today. We have. So look, uh, wherever you are around Australia today, we give you a great big warm welcome and we pray, we hope and pray that you will just get a glimpse of how beautiful Jesus is. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, looks like we've finally got some listeners online now. Have we been having a problem? Well, I've been watching our, our live link through to the, to the Faith FM network, and it's yep. only just coming up as we speak. So, should I do the welcome again? <laughs> so, those of you who've just joined us, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we've been online. We've We're been up. online since three thirty. Yeah, that's so right. For yeah. once, the problem's not at our end. Is that what you're saying, Hunty? Well, I'd, let's not let's not say who's responsible here. But anyway, how about our first song? What do you think? Um. Well, not our first song. We're going to talk about the news first, Hunty. You're jumping, bro. Oh, I'm jumping. <laughs> yeah, it's, our, it's our last program, and Hunty's already... You know why you're jumping and why you're rushing and ripping I was a little, I was a little stressed before. He's ready to get into the car and the take off bus. on holidays. The coaster bus and run. Are oh, you going in a coaster bus, are you? I'm going in a coaster bus. You're going to the beach, aren't you? Somewhere near water. I've I think we've water. talked about it before, how Hunty yes. takes his coaster bus, sits in that bus, watching the cricket, sipping a ginger beer with the air conditioning on, fogging up, overlooking the well, ocean. One of my favourite holidays was when we were parked right on the water's edge. I won't say where. That's a secret, eh? It's a secret. But I yeah. said to my beautiful wife, I said, look behind us at all those $1,000 a night motel rooms. Yeah. I said, guess what they're looking at? Same as you. Us. <laughs> and you were free. That's right. And, and their view was no better than yours. Well, they'd look at us. Do they ever throw you out? Like, do you ever get parking rangers come oh, around and say... I haven't, not in my coaster bus. I got booted out of the Gold Coast once trying to sleep in my car. Because in New South Wales, I found this out when I went on a little trip yep. down south. You can actually sleep in your car or your um, coaster bus or whatever anywhere where... Um, you're allowed to park unless the local council says otherwise. Mm. So there are a lot of places that you're talking about where you can go on holidays. Yes. You can get your coaster bus and you can get right like you do, yep. right on the beach. Totally. And you, you're air conditioned, you've got your own water, you've yes. got your own food. How, just remind us, how can you be air conditioned? Oh, I've got solar panels on the roof and I've got a battery bank under my bed. And with the solar panels and the batteries, I've got enough power to last me as long as the sun stays out forever. So you can have air conditioning right Day through. and night. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Actually, I don't know whether I've ever, I don't, I, it, 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 it pains me a bit to say this, but Hunty is actually very smart. Oh, and, oh I don't know. He, Quick, are we recording? Yes, we're recording. He, he does things electronically, uh, way before others because you've had people come up to you and say, how come you've got your air conditioner on 24-7? Yes. Yeah. I'll like people to be, I haven't heard your generator run. How are you doing this? Yeah, you don't even have a generator with you in the bus. I don't do even you? take one, no. You could. You've got a little one, but. I do. Yeah. But I've got a thousand watts of solar on the roof. That's yeah. all I need. Fantastic. I feel a little bit envious sometimes of you when I see you taking off on that coaster. <laughs> you know who needs solar panels right now? Our friends in England. What's happening? Well, they're running out of money. They're running out of electricity. Actually, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Apple. Your favourite company. Yes, my favourite product. About to become number one. Yes. Oh, first. About the first. So it is number one. They are the number one company in the world, eh? Ah, uh, really? Yeah, they are. Good. They're, they're about to become the first three trillion, three trillion. dollar company. What, what do you think about that? That is amazing. What do they sell that, that is so? Where are they getting their money from? Look, they sell a computer which lasts five years. Don't have to touch it. Easy to use. Is it computers they're making the money out of? And phones. 
computers' phones, that's it? And their phones connect with their computers seamlessly. You can answer your calls on the phone or the computer. Your messages and your emails go from the phone to the computer. You can type on your phone an email and it's already in your computer and vice versa. They make a set of electronics, gadgets, devices that work seamlessly together. How many devices do they make? Have you got any idea? No, but a, I, think I've a, had, I think I've had most of them. It's actually not a whole lot, is it? They're about to make cars, did you know? Yeah, I did hear yeah, that. Yeah. But here you've got one company yep. about to become the first $3 trillion company. These guys have a bigger turnover and more income than some nations. Than many countries, yep. It's unbelievable. It is. I, I think what we're seeing, Hunty, at times is a concentration of wealth yeah. with a very few, while millions and billions struggle to survive. That's very sad. Yeah, I actually think it's it's one of those signs that tells us Jesus will come soon. You know, Jeff Bezos' company, Amazon. I heard about that. That, that makes me very sad. They're approaching a $2 trillion company. But he, he pays his employees so little that in the US, many of them are on food stamps. I know, it's very sad. And what was even sadder is, is he was celebrating the other day uh, after another flight as one of his factories in Kentucky fell down in that tornado. And uh, oh dear. I think six or more people were killed. He, oh. he copped a fair bit of flack for that. That's very sad. Uh, whether he knew or not, I don't know. But there, the, I think the point is here we are seeing a concentration of wealth mm. in the hands of a few. Yep. And, yep. and many, many people are struggling. Millions, billions are struggling just to get enough food to eat. Mm. Uh, and it is unfortunate because probably when you look at the world, Hunty, there is enough resources for everybody yep. to have a yep. half-decent life. That's right. And it, it brings us to our next story that we found in, in Britain. I read this morning and I shared it with you how more Britons, now that's a first world country. Yes. Are turning to food banks. Oh, I know. So, and, and, and the thing that was interesting, these aren't blue collar workers. I'm from a blue collar background. I was a carpenter. Before that, I worked in sanitarium factory. Yep. Uh, I've done a lot of blue-collar blue jobs. Nothing wrong with blue-collar uh, workers, but usually we're the ones, the blue-collar guys, they're usually the first to suffer when the economy turns. But this time in Britain, did you notice a lot of professionals? Yeah, journalists and engineers. Graphic designers. Yeah, all, all sorts of people mm. who have professional degrees are now going to food banks yep. in England for help, support, and to survive, why do you think that is, Hunty? Well, the, the cost of, of gas and electricity has, in some places, not doubled in price, it's doubled twice. So four uh, you're times. You're right. Mm. You're right. And, and, and more than that, we've got the pressure and the tension of COVID. Well, which that's got a lot of people unemployed. That's, that's breaking down our supply chains too. Yes. Because uh, our supply chains often don't have the people they need working because they're off either with COVID or with a COVID scare. And, and prices just skyrocketing. And then what we talked about last week seems to be, uh, the tension seems to be increasing with this ad blue thing. Yes. And for the listeners and not sure what's going on here, it's an ingredient that trucks have to use in conjunction with their diesel fuel to make their engines run cleanly. And that's in Britain and Australia. Yeah, and it's running out. In fact, out. it's right, right, right around the whole world, isn't and, it? And the reason it's running out is China's decided they need to use more of the urea, more of the product themselves, so they're not exporting as much. And they provide 80% of that ad blue, 80% wow. of that ad blue to the whole world. Wow. And we have an ad blue factory here in Australia that's closing down in February because they couldn't get gas and electricity at a decent price. At a price. reasonable price. Yeah, we sell electricity to Japan for one cent a litre. I didn't know that. Yeah, we do. How do you sell electricity for one cent? Oh, sorry, gas. We sell <laughs> gas for one cent a litre <laughs> I thought I was on something oh, new my there. Goodness. How do you sell electricity one cent a litre? Yeah, okay, yeah. And, and yet we, we want, you know, 50 cents, 25 cents a litre for Australian producers. How's, and it, how's that it, It's compare? untenable. They can't 
mm. compete. So, so it's not just what you're saying is it's not just Britain that's having an increase in people going to the food bank. And I know this to be true. It's also Australia. Yes. Where more and more people in Australia can't feed themselves. That needs to be, I reckon that's alarming. Correct. And then there's this one, mate. More and more Aussies. Escaping toxic jobs. Oh, I love this. It's a great story. <laughs> Does that mean you're going to go, Hunty? Is your job? No. You know what? It can never be toxic working for the Lord, can it? Correct. Yeah. It's never going to be. It's a joy, isn't it? Joy. What's going on here, though, with these Aussies? Well, people have enjoyed a lot of freedom to work from home over the last year or two with the pandemic, and a lot of people have decided, look, I'm putting 90% of my energy into my job, but I'm missing out on my family. And people are realising that a work-family-life balance is important and they're all trying to make the switch now. I think we can see it even in our local church here at, in, in uh, North West Really? Yeah. You know what? We've lost 10. Now, we're not a big church, no. are we? 120 to 100. On a good day, 150. Yep. Mind you, if we get David Ashtrick, one of these great preachers, we'll get 800. Yeah, true. <laughs> and that's happened too, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. <laughs> but it we're has. what, a, a, a 100 to 120 people church. We have lost Hunty. Ten families. Actually, they're ten key families too, aren't they? They are. Mm. And they have all headed out of Sydney looking for a better life. And I think you're right. And I think this article we looked at is right. More and more people, the pandemic has caused people to stop and to consider their life and their lifestyle and what they're doing. Yep. I mean, you and me would like to get out of Sydney, wouldn't we? Absolutely. We'd put the fleece out and God slammed the door shut on us, brother. <laughs> so, no, Lloyd, you've got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> we would have liked to have gone yes. uh, for the same reason. And it's true that a lot of people are leaving these high-paid, toxic jobs. You know, the article said they're actually prepared to drop 20 30 40% in their wages yes. to do it too. Yes. It, I mean, a lot of people these days are, are, are working a lot. I mean, you, you, you think about the job outside of work, now with, with mobile phones, with email and messenger on them, you're getting messages out of hours, yeah. you're looking at your emails and your schedule, you get Zoom calls from over there. A lot of people are putting in a lot more energy to their job at the sacrifice of their home life balance. I mean, we see that ourselves in our own lives. Yeah, we do. The tension of trying to run a, mm. a ministry that involves television, radio and a local church. True. And and we're often under a lot of stress. to get. And, and, and I think there's a lot of people out there like us and sometimes you sit back. I mean, one of the reasons we're going on holidays together, Hunty, is because we both so desperately, <laughs> desperately need, need it. it. That's right. We actually need to stop. And revive and spend some time with the Lord and family on the beach. Well, I'll be on the beach. You'll be sitting in your coaster. I'll be sitting out of the sun. <laughs> I'll be looking out for that coaster too. And if I see it, I'll be banging on the door looking for entry. <laughs> and, and lastly, one good news story. Oh, yes, and this please. is a good one, eh? Yes. Christians give more during the pandemic. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? We saw it in our own church. Yeah, we did. Where we thought we'd go backwards and people actually stood, those who serve Christ stood firm stood solid and gave as much or more than they ever have. I have to wonder, is, is that God blessing his church as well? I think it's a mixture of that together with Christians who are faithful and loyal. And they know that this, you know, the, the times that we're living, this is a real pandemic. Yep. It's not getting better. I mean, in New South Wales today, something like 800 people have gone down with the virus. Yeah, Omicron. Yep. No, well, it's not just Omicron, it's, it's oh, Delta, Delta as well. Okay. Um, People are worried. There's a lot of fear out there. Yes. And they're looking for hope. And I think a lot of Christians realise that the church and the message of the Bible 
gives hope. And so they're giving, and they're giving what they have so we can do that. And we're very appreciative of the Christians who have stood firm through this pandemic and through these times of trouble. For sure. When you see all these things, what do they tell you, Hunty? Yes. Jesus Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Merry Christmas, Hunty. It is Christmas coming, isn't it? It is. It's how many I, days? I put my tree up the other day. Oh, I don't bother. Oh. <laughs> you know I don't put a tree up because if you put it up, you've got to pull it down. <laughs> well, wait till you see my tree. It's got fibre optics in it. So it's basically like an umbrella. You pop it up and it's done. <laughs> Where do you put your tree up in the window? No, it's in the landship, just there. Oh, I have to go yeah. and have a look at that before. Yeah. Is, it, is it a picturesque thing? Or? Yes, it's beautiful. And I'm excited this year because this year is my first Christmas with my first grandchild. Yeah, congratulations on that. That's a beautiful Woo-hoo. thing. So, well, because it's Christmas, yeah. I think we'll sing. We're not going to sing. No. <laughs> Actually, spare, we might. Spare some, our listeners. <laughs> some, sometimes uh, uh, I sing. You don't sing a hit, lot. Hit the mute but, button sing all your life. <laughs> <laughs> the first Noel, David Archulata.
that doesn't make you feel like Christmas hunting. Nothing will. <sighs> love it. I actually love the um, Christmas carols around Christmas time. Yeah, me too. In fact, this Sabbath at our church, am I allowed to do an ad? Oh, please. <laughs> we're, we're doing our Christmas program this Sabbath. That's right, we are. Uh, reason being is the following Sabbath, we can't get into the church. We <laughs> rent a church. We do. Um, and they're using it themselves, uh, which is a bit sad. Because it's kind of unique, isn't it, to be able to worship on Sabbath? It is, and if you're in northwestern Sydney this weekend, this Saturday, oh, at you can 10 o'clock, people to come. yeah, please come. Yeah, we're at the uh, Lifeingdon Church in Quakers Hill. Yeah, not you don't know the address, do you? It's uh, number four Samuel's oh. place, and it's just off. Hamilton Road, Quakers Hill. That's very good because she's done that from memory. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> well done, mate. Uh, Harold Hark, are you there? Hi there, Lloyd. I'm here. Welcome home. Thank you. It's good to be home and it was great to be away. You're at Lord Howe. Lord Howe Paradise. It oh, was great. Nice. Was it Paradise? It was. It was a great place, great atmosphere. Everyone, if they go past in the car, they'll put their fingers up and wave to everyone, whether you're walking, driving or anything. Hunty'd go well there because he loves waving. Yep, I like he, old mood friendly. He's a very he's a big waver. Bit of a waver. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he waves at the ferry guys, he waves at the Snip guys go, on the, the road. Guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. Um so you had a good time? We had a lovely time. We worked but we we enjoyed it and we went out to Bull's Pyramid, which is the highest sea stack of rock in the world. Um swimming, diving, all that sort of thing or well, a lot of people did that, but I was with my wife. We couldn't do that, but a lot of people were doing swimming, snorkeling, and they were going around their kayaks and everything. Was there a lot of people on the island? Well, you allowed 400 tourists one yep. time, yep. and that's the number of beds limited. So it's not overcrowded, and it keeps its atmosphere. So there would have been 400 tourists there? Around Christmas? There would have been about 300, I'd say. Yeah, wow. I've never been to Lord Howe. I've been to Norfolk. Um, it's much smaller than Norfolk. Well, <laughs> only, only about three hundred and fifty people on the island. Normal. Actually, to tell you the truth, Hunty and I, we got a little bit claustrophobic on Norfolk, didn't yeah, we? We did. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit small, but it was beautiful too. Norfolk yeah. is. Have you been there? Yes, I've been there. Yeah, Norfolk and Lord Howe are quite different, I suppose. They are. They're different, but each one has its unique characteristics. And I think they have relatives on both. Islands yes, too. I think there's a bit of a tie between the two islands. Yeah. Um, Harold, we're talking about someone I like, George Whitfield. George Whitfield is a great guy. He was a massive preacher. Uh, he really turned the country around. Is he the greatest preacher to come out of England? Well, I don't know. He preached how many? Seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand preaching. But Wesley. He preached on horseback all over the country, maybe smaller groups, but who was the greatest? And they, they lived at the same time, more or less, too. They did. They yeah. were enemies for a while, and but they made friends, and uh, yeah, yeah, they were well, great. Well, tell us about George Whitfield. Um, when and where was he born? Well, 307 years ago, in the year 1714, he was born in Gloucester in England. What did his parents do? Well, his parents, they must have had some good income because they were innkeepers and he was actually born in the Bell Inn in Gloucester. So was, am I right in saying he was born in a pub? That's right. <laughs> okay, so he's born in a pub. Um, he had some talents. Even from an early age, they were able to pinpoint that. Tell us about that. 
Well, well, let me tell you one. When he was working in the pub, he used to pour the wine. uh, In the end, he said, I got out of this. I didn't want to pour wine to drunkards. (laughs) But he also had a great talent for acting. As he started school, he wanted to be an actor. It's a funny thing, you know, I've often looked at some of the great preachers of the world that we even have today, Harold, and, and if they can act and use their voice, then they have a talent and gift and can share Christ. There's no Amen. doubt about that. They, they kind of, those two go together a bit. Not that preaching is acting, it's not, but it uses similar talents and gifts. Correct. Was Whitfield well educated? I ask this because it seems to me as we go through these great reformers and preachers of the old years, most of them were well educated. How did Whitfield go? Whitfield was also well educated. He first of all went to a grammar school. Now, when I went to school, they taught a lot of grammar, but the grammar school in Gloucester prepared him and then he went on to Oxford University which would have been a prestigious university. It's very prestigious now. It would have been just as prestigious back then, am I right? It was, it was the university to go to. So when he goes to university, um, he joins a very famous club, and we've heard about this club already on this show, but tell us again what he did. Well, John Wesley and his brother Charles started what was known as the Holy Club and they would preach, uh, pray together and read scripture and read the, the messages from Luther and others and Whitfield joined the Holy Club. So in some sense, Whitfield's getting, a, while he's still young, he's getting a, a feel for the Protestant Reformation. He was getting the feeling that Jesus is important and I've got to share it. So how did Whitfield actually have a conversion? How did he turn to God? Well, he was, he, first of all, he got a great illness and that, that he thought, is this the end of my life? I better turn to the Lord. But more than that, he was in, he in contact with a book that he read, Henry Stugel's book, The Life of God in the Soul of Man, and it taught him he must be born again. And this changed George Whitfield. And boy, what a change came to this man. Amen. He becomes a preacher. Tell us about his early days of preaching. Well, when he was just 22, he preached his first sermon at this St. Mary de Crypt Church in Gloucester. Uh, He was just ordained as a deacon, and here is his first sermon. But then he goes not just in the church, he starts to preach outside to anyone as well. So this is a guy who'll preach in the church and outside in the fields. That's right. Funny how when you see these guys, and we need more of it in the 21st century, how the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them, you can't be, keep them quiet. And, and these, are, these, these are not necessarily safe times to be preaching either, and yet they're going out fearlessly and they're advancing God no matter what, anywhere to anyone who will listen to them. He goes to America. What did he set up while he was there? Well, he went up to America. He became the parish priest in Christ Church in Savannah in Georgia, which is in the south. But he also there established an orphanage. He could see the need for kids, orphans, and he established the Bethesda Academy. It's the oldest charity in North America. I was was thinking, um, Harold, when when I was going through this uh, with the notes you sent um, my own little bit of research. He must have been in America just not long before the Great War of Independence. Yes. And so he's an Englishman. He went pretty well in America, though, didn't he? They liked him. His preaching caused a 
course, in the... fact, he became one of the great people of America. He was recognised because he started an awakening. He was the preacher that really changed America, and he went there seven times in his life. He was there again and again and again. So his his heart for America and America, <clears throat> excuse me, America would have been the mission fields. That's right. That's where how he saw it. Did he did he um, reach thousands over there like he was in Britain? Well, he did. He he talked a lot, preached a lot, but he really found the the crowds. You know, when he came back to England, twenty to thirty thousand them to meet him. Can you imagine, Lloyd, if you went off somewhere and came back and 20,000 people were there waiting to talk to you or hear you? Mate, I'm lucky to get my wife to come and pick me up at the airport. (laughs) 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 Um, These open fields that he preached in, this is where he had the twenty to 30,000 people. Is that correct? That's right. How would you be preaching to twenty to 30,000 people without a microphone? I was about to ask that. What's going on? Do you think God's in this and projecting his voice? or, or Sure. He, they must have had greater voices than you and I have. I reckon that... have 20 or 30,000 listen to you. They reckon Benjamin Franklin went and listened to him preach. Yes. That great American um, father. He reckons yes. that you could hear Whitfield preaching 500 yards away. Is that correct? Uh, well, that's what well, I read anyway. 500 feet, I think. 500 feet, was it? Yeah. So I'm I'm a a metric man, so I'm going to get confused between those two things. That time there were just uh, 3,000 there, but he had more. But Franklin, you know, the great Benjamin Franklin, he actually published some of Whitfield's sermons as tracts. Yeah. So he he was a fan, if nothing else. He sure was. Is it true that Whitfield would preach to the miners when they came out of the mines? I read a story yeah. where Whitfield would wait for the change of shift and they'd come, I don't know whether you've heard this, and they'd come out yeah. of the mines and he knew that his message was touching their hearts because he'd see the white streaks go down beneath their eyes as the tears, as Jesus impacted them through his message, ran down their cheeks and through the soot. That's right. He preached to miners in Britain. But let me tell you about this one. When he preached revival meetings in America, yep, and people left there and they were singing hymns as they went back the streets. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Wow. It wasn't just a once only. It touched their lives. You often wonder, you, you read the stories of Wesley and Whitfield and Spurgeon and some of these great preachers of the old days, you wonder how powerful the Holy Spirit was in their lives and how they were able to impact such change. Sure. It, it, they were incredible uh, men. But he wasn't perfect. He did have yeah. some problems theologically. Tell us about that. Well, he was more uh, one who believed in predestination and the, he, in that way he didn't agree with Wesley, who was an Arminian, who believed in free choice. We'd be with Wesley. We would be with Wesley. So, so Whitfield was more down the Calvinism yes. roads where, where he believed that um, you were predestined to either heaven or hell. Or hell. But on the other hand, he still believed to preach the gospel, so he wasn't a strong Calvinist, but there was a bit of it in his belief. Was Wesley able to ever bring him around on that theologically, do we know? Or we're not sure. 
we're not sure, but when Wesley pre- wrote a great tract on the freedom of every person to choose yep. what's right and, and to be saved, uh, they were not very good friends, but they made it up so much that he became a strong... Uh, they were good friends. It, it amazes me how Wesley and Whitfield and others of these great preachers of that time were able to work through their theological differences and remain friends, even sometimes when they couldn't come to grips with the theological differences. There was that's still right. a friendship yep. in the cause of Christ. That, that's a bit yep. of a lesson for us today, isn't it? It is. So tell us about the three churches he established. Well, he established in London three churches. They were known as the uh, um, Whitfield's Tabernacle. Yeah. And can you imagine not just starting one church in London but then two, and then a third one, and they became great places. People knew them as Whitfield's Tabernacle. He would preach a storm up in them and they'd he turn sure up in the did. thousands. Um, what was Whitfield's view of slavery? Because that was a big topic at the time. It was in America and it was in England because it was people like John Newton and Wil- uh, Wilberforce who finally got the slaves freed but he actually had a plantation and owned slaves yep. because he thought he needed that for the funds to keep supplying his orphanage and other projects that he had. So did he ever turn back on that? Well, well he then started to preach against slave owners who were treating their slaves cruelly. So he wasn't a cruel owner, but he still had slaves while he was in America. It's interesting, isn't it, how these men of God often fell into doing things that weren't... God uses, I think, the thing here, and it's not to excuse this, but and we're, we're, we're finding the whole story of Whitfield today. God often uses imperfect men who have imperfect ideas and don't always do the right thing. That's right. Uh, I mean, even if he was treating his slaves well... It's not something that God would have uh, condoned, that's for sure. Um, Let me give you one example of why he was so successful. His his great philosophy, he said, let the name of Whitfield perish, but Christ be glorified. Let me be but the servant of all. So he had the characteristics of Jesus as his master. Let's go back to Benjamin Franklin for a moment. What did he say about Whitfield's preaching? Well, um, Franklin, he uh, published his tracts, but he noticed the change in people and he was one who was really pushing people, this guy is the guy you need to hear. He was his greatest supporter and one who actually put money into sharing his tracts. I wonder whether Benjamin Franklin ever made a decision to follow Christ through Whitfield's preaching. Do we know? Because the reason I ask that question, Harold, um, and I'm asking out of the blue really, is a lot of people in America and American history today will will challenge the idea that Brent Benjamin Franklin was a believer in God. Yes, he was more a deist or he was an independent thinker and you wouldn't really name him as a Christian. But he was impacted by Whitfield. He sure was. Maybe Whitfield was the one who gave Benjamin Franklin his calling to follow Christ. We all get it. Yep. How many times again did Whitfield go to America? Remind us. He went to America seven times during his life. But it wasn't the only place he travelled to. This guy was a travelling preacher. Where where else did he go to? 
He went to Scotland. He went uh, other countries 15 times to Scotland, two journeys to Ireland. He went to Bermuda, Gibraltar, the Netherlands, and he went to England and Wales. He preached in every county of England and Wales. How's that? That's a man who lived a full life. Tell us about his marriage. He gets married. Oh, <laughs> that, that's an interesting one because he said he believed he should marry but not until he could live as though he could live without marriage. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a oxymoron almost. Yeah. But then he married Elizabeth James who on the 14th of November, 41. But it wasn't a happy marriage. And she believed that she'd been a load and a burden to him. It's sad, isn't it? Oh. I, I think, when I looked at this part of the story, I found that sad. That, that Here's this great man of God, tremendous preacher, but he didn't find happiness in love. And it seems like she wasn't overly happy either. No. And she died fairly early. She died after childbirth, yes. Yeah, so that was a, a, an unhappy union. Um, when and how did Whitfield die? Well, he was in New Hampshire, that's in America, Yep. and he preached his final sermon in 1770, that's when Captain Cook came to Australia. Yeah, it's not, far, not long before that big war either. That's right. Yeah. And he preached it standing or sitting on the top of a large barrel. And the next morning, the end of September, 1770, he dies in the parsonage at the Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport. Do we know what? <coughs> do, do we know why he died? Probably, <coughs> excuse me. He's coughing he a bit it. there. It can happen. It happens and, to me, Hunty, this coughing. Do you want to get a drink of water, Pastor? <laughs> he had an illness all his life. That's right. He wasn't well. Um, and he he passed away. He was in the United States of America when he passed away, I, I think. And then he, he was, was he buried in America or did they take his body back to England? Well... <coughs> Probably buried in America, but he had a funeral service back in England. I think we're gonna we're gonna let Pastor Harker go here. Because yeah. I, I'll finish it off, Harold. <laughs> There's nothing worse than um, he 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 had a great um, he had a great remembrance service in England, and you wouldn't believe it, but Wesley preached at his remembrance. Oh, oh how Harold's nice. back. Oh, Harold's Looks back. like he asked him to preach it. Yeah, so Wesley uh, John Wesley preaches. At his at his remembrance service. That's right. Yeah. Have you ever been to his grave? No, I haven't been to his grave. Yeah. But what a guy is, is Whitfield. Let me tell you, what can we learn from him? He felt the gospel message was the most important to get out. And with all his sermons, he wanted to preach, God loves you and he wants to save you. Awesome. And, and here's a man, Harold, who didn't leave a, lead a perfect life. But he lived in certain times and he did his best to serve God how he knew and he shook the world for Christ. And the and Lord used him mightily. He did. And it just goes to show we might not be perfect either, Harold, and we might have some issues and not be doing everything right, but God can still use us. Amen. Merry Christmas, Harold. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, you have a happy Christmas and God bless. And I look forward to seeing you after Christmas and we're going to get back into some of these incredible stories. God bless. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. 
Now, Hunty, we're going to do uh, Ask the Aussie Pastor soon. Yes, we are. Um, and it's not too late to get some questions in, and we've got a little bit of room. We do. We'd love to hear from you as well. So if you've got a question for the Aussie Pastor, you can text it to us on 0488-880-851, or you can email it to us, and the email address is info at aussiepastor.com. I felt some real sympathy for Pastor Oh, me too. Me too. (laughs) So many times this year on the radio, I've had issues with my throat and wanted to cough, and it's agony. (laughs) Oh, it is. It is. (laughs) This is a nice song. Go tell it on the mount. From one of my favourite singers, Randy Travis. Tell it on that mountain Over the hills and everywhere Hey, go Tell it on that mountain Jesus Christ is born Go Tell it on that mountain Over the hills and everywhere I say, go Tell it on that mountain That Jesus Christ was born Shepherds kept there watching over silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Go, till it on that mountain, over the hills and everywhere. I said, Go, tell it on that mountain, that Jesus Christ is born.
like that song, Hunty? I love it. Yeah, I do too. What a great song. Randy Travis, he's a good yeah. singer too. Good stuff. You go tell it on the mountain. And that's what this story of Christmas is about. You know, Jesus actually wasn't born at Christmas, don't you? I reckon that's... I reckon that's exactly right. He wasn't because didn't they do a survey, like a census? Yeah, they did a census and people travel in the summer. So Jesus was born in the summer. Yeah. I, I have some people say to me, hey, hey, you know, um, what's going on here? Uh, you know, you're celebrating Christmas at a time Jesus wasn't born. That's okay. Uh, I understand their concerns, but we celebrate the Queen's birthday <laughs> in June and she wasn't born. In, I don't know when she was born. And for me, Christmas, you know what Christmas is for me? It's a chance for me to talk about Jesus to a world that normally won't even look at him sideways. Indeed. Okay, Indeed. mate, let's do Ask the Aussie Pastor. I'm ready. Are you oh, ready? Oh, mate, I'm ready. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. All right. First, away. first question. Ho ho, should I watch The Chosen? Okay, that's an interesting question. The Chosen, do you know what it is, Hunty? I know a little bit about it, but no, please tell. It's a series on the life of Christ, a drama series that you can watch online and it's free. I enjoy it and every time I watch it, it warms my heart nice. and it draws me to Jesus Christ. Do I, do I sense a but? I was about to say but. Oh, but. <laughs> We need to look at these things with caution, and I think the passion. Remember, is that what it's called? Yeah, the Mel, pa- Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson was yep. the same. When I watched that, it drew me to Christ, and I felt quite moved. But here's the caution: both the passion and the chosen drift a long, long way from the biblical narrative. Really. So, if the if the biblical narrative, in. Uh, if the movie, uh, not the movie, but the series encourages you to go to the Bible and find out the biblical narrative, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But yeah. if you're relying on that series to tell you who Jesus is, what Jesus did, well, you can't because it just, I'm just telling you, it drifts a, a long, 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 long way from the biblical narrative. And it actually worries me when I see pastors and giving this, this thing unqualified support without that caution. Mm. I don't think we can do it. It, it it's, it just, it's not It's not accurate, and it bothers me when I'm looking at things that are not accurate that are reflecting the life of Christ or his disciples or, or any of that sort of thing. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yep, yep. yep. So I'm not criticising it overly. I'm, I'm not criticising it at all because I enjoy it, but yep. I am putting a huge, big caution yep. and flashing lights there. Hey, this is not the Bible, this is not the Bible narrative, and this is not necessarily what Jesus did or how it worked out. If you want, In fact, look, I'll go further. If you want to know the story of Jesus, yes. go to the Bible. The Gospels. Go to the Bible. Yep. There you're going to, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, written by two eyewitnesses and two followers of the eyewitnesses. Nice. So very close to the event itself. Two of the guys actually saw it with their own eyes. Great. And that's where you go if you want to know the story of Jesus. So, yes, uh, The Chosen, I mean, there's a lot worse things you can watch on TV these days than that. Right. But just bear in mind what it is. It's, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm cautious. Has Hollywood taken some sort of license to spice up the story, man? It's not Hollywood that made it. It's made by a Christian media oh, okay. company. So Hollywood has nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, I, I think they have to try and get people interested. But I, you, you know, I'll go further, and, and I get a lot of criticism for this because I've, I've talked about it on Facebook as late, as late as just recently. And I get criticism for this, and that's okay, but I think the story of Jesus is holy. Yes. I think he's, what he did is a holy thing. Yep. And I don't think it's to be fooled around with too much at all. Gotcha. Now, now I can, I can, I'm going to get criticism for that. That's fine. But if I can, you know, I'm not going to get accused of drifting too far from the biblical narrative, and I kind of like that. 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, watch it, but recognise for what it is. It's an, you know, when we get Bibles, um, I remember an Adventist guy bought a Bible out a while ago called The Clear Word, yep. Jack Blanco. Do you know Jack Blanco? No, but I heard about The Clear Word. Now, it come under enormous criticism. Yep. Because it's what they call an expanded paraphrase. So what he did is he put things in there to open the story up that weren't in the narrative, and he got critic he got criticised for it. Even though he said this is not a Bible, it's an expanded paraphrase. Yep. It's just there to bless you and try and open the story of Jesus. He got a lot of criticism. Mm. Now it's the same with with um the chosen. It's an expanded paraphrase of the story of Jesus, and where it goes, it's fiction. There you go. It's, wow. but, but it can, and it does, encourage people to the, the real narrative, which is in the Bible. But even then, and I could talk about this for a long time. Sorry, auntie. <laughs> even then, I don't like things to colour my head too much when it comes to the Bible. I like to go into the Bible cold. Yep. And what I mean by that, without too many other influences. Let the Holy Spirit speak And to from you. the beginning, when I've gone looking for Jesus and truth, I've had a rule. I have, Now, I'm, I'm an Adventist. Yep. Uh, uh, we okay. believe in the, the, the gift of prophecy through a lady by the name of Ellen White. I don't even go there. I go directly to the Bible when I'm seeking mm, truth same, because I don't same. want to be influenced by anything or anyone, even those with claims to prophecy, legitimate claims to prophecy. I want to go to the Bible and the Bible alone. Gotcha. And I think if you want to know Jesus, that's what, sh- what you should do. Yeah, and be, I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm not criticizing, but I'm saying use great caution, caution. when you're watching cho- the chosen. Understood. This next question kind of dovetails in a little bit. Um, should Christians go to the movies? I think I know a little bit about this answer as well. Um, should Christians watch television? Should Christians watch online movies? Um, the answer to that is a simple one for me. I don't even think we need to expand much on that. Yep. If what you are watching does not damage your relationship with Christ then watch it. If it does, then don't. And most of the movies these days are full of immorality, violence, licentiousness, mm, celebrating every sin on the planet. Yep. And I think it's time Christians, and I talked to Christians on this radio station for a moment, stopped and had a good hard look at what they're watching. It's not about where you're watching it, it's what you're watching. So whether you're watching a movie online, Hunty, yep. uh, what are they? What are the ones you can watch? Netflix, oh, Netflix, Netflix Stan, Stan, Paramount, all those Disney, Disney, Disney yeah, yep. Amazon, yep, yep. Uh, and I've had Netflix, I've had Stan, and I've, I've got none of them at the moment. I've got Amazon. The reason I got rid of them because I couldn't find enough stuff that wasn't damaging me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, look, I, I, whether it's in the movie or at home on or on TV, it doesn't matter, Hunty. It's what you're watching, and we need to be very discerning about what we're watching because I think the Bible says. What you dwell on is what you will become. Nice. Dwell on Christ. And I reckon those who are of us who are getting ready for Jesus coming in and start to withdraw from a lot of this stuff. Yep. Yep. All righty. Moving along. Um, question number three. Ooh, dangers in rock, Christian rock music. How can I decide what to and what not to listen to? Similar to the last answer. Uh, okay. Ooh. When it comes to music, this is what I do, and you and me have talked a lot over this because we have slightly differing tastes, but not a, not a long way apart. No, not far. But we have good discussions on this. I think we both agree on this. Your music needs to reflect Jesus, yes, who is gentle and compassionate 
and mm. kind. And that's how, that's what your music needs to reflect. A lot of what sort of music you listen to, whether it's Christian or otherwise, Hunty, comes down to your born again relationship with Jesus. Are you born again? Are you truly converted? Are you a man or a woman spending time in the Bible and in prayer? Be fair dinkum with yourself on this. Do I have a relationship with Jesus? Holy Spirit will talk to you on your music. And it becomes even more important when you're a pastor or a music leader or a leader in the church like you and me are. We have a responsibility to have a relationship with Christ that will not endanger other people's lives when we're making decisions or what goes on in the church. And there's a lot of things going on in the church, I'm talking generally now, that's not good. So you be very careful with your music, be very careful what you're listening to, and judge it by your relationship with Christ. Is that music reflecting the Jesus that I know? And I think the Holy Spirit will lead you, and very powerfully. And and, and when you get to that line, you know you get to that fuzzy line, is it right or is it wrong, you're not sure. Yep. That's really where you do need the Holy Spirit. And he'll almost take you through song by song, bro. Can, can I play devil's advocate? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of You've been song. doing that for years. Oh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Go with my strengths. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking of a couple of songs with the exact same biblical lyrics, mm. one sung by an 80s Christian rock band, Petra, yeah, and one perhaps sung by a more conservative group, yeah. are we saying the style of music has something to do with whether it can be worshipful or not? Certainly um, there are some styles that make it more difficult to see Jesus, for sure. Okay. Now, whether so, you're going to listen to Petra or some other group, Petra sings some good songs, in my view. Yeah, me too. Um, that do reflect Jesus. Um, they sing some other songs that I wouldn't listen to because I don't think they reflect Jesus. Where do I get that from? Well, primarily I get that from my relationship with Christ. Yep. What I'm finding in the Bible, does this music reflect Christ? Um and have I got the Holy Spirit guiding and leading me? I know it's not the answer some people would want because they want a definitive, oh, listen to that or don't listen to this. Mm. It's not that simple. You need to be in a born-again relationship with Christ. Again, I stress, if you're a leader in the church, all the more so because you're making decisions. You're making worship decisions for your church which impact others. True. And music matters. I mean, Satan was the, the choir master of heaven. The Bible yep, tells us he that. Was. He knows music. He's using music, and we're crazy if we think he's not. That's right. He uses music, but so too does God. Music is God's invention, not Satan's. Yes. And there's a lot of music, that there's still a lot of music being written and sung today that, that draws people to Christ. We sing them at our church. We have that sort of music on our program, auntie, Good. that draws people to Christ. Beautiful music. Yeah, it is. Okay, does that help? It does, thank you. Yeah. All right. Oh, this next question here, dear. Where and how did the anti-Trinitarian Movement start. Oh, you could do an entire Bible study on that. <laughs> That's a big question. Well, actually, for those that don't know, what is an anti-Trinitarian? It's someone who believes that God the Father is God, Jesus is his son, but not equal with him and not really God, and the Holy Spirit is just a force. It came from a guy called Arian two, three hundred years after. Arius. Sorry, not Arian. Arius two, three hundred years, and his doctrines became known as Arianism. I think it went to the Heroli, the Ostrogoths and the Vandals, who incidentally Rome wiped out for their Aryan beliefs. Uh, that's an interesting story, hunting, and it's a prophecy actually in the Bible that was unfolded. But, but, uh, what was the question? Uh, anti-Trinitarian movement, how did it start? Yeah, well, it started with Ari- Arius way back then, and it's kind of been around in the church ever since this, and, and it is a heresy. It's not orthodox. In other words, it's not uh, general Christianity will not and doesn't, including Adventism, accept that. Protestantism doesn't accept the Arian, the Arianism. Uh, this idea that 
God the Father only is Yahweh and that Jesus is kind of came forth from God. We don't accept that. Jesus is God. Yep. Jesus is God as much as the Father is. He has the same authority, has the same power as the Father. He, Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not some new age entity. Right. He is God. The, in fact, Hunty, let's do a short, short Bible yeah, study. Yeah, I was thinking You know that. we've got this series called A Short, Short Bible Study Online? Yes, which you can watch on Facebook or YouTube. Yeah, put that down. We're going to do that. Now, you won't get that until the new year because we're going on holidays. That's exactly right. But for those of you interested, go to the Aussie Pastor Facebook page or the Aussie Pastor YouTube channel. Hunty never misses a chance there. Never miss a chance. <laughs> All right. But, but let's put that down and we'll do that. Yep. But but that, that's not the Adventist, not the Protestant, it's not the Christian belief. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three co-equal persons, not three gods, three co-equal persons that make up one God. We'll talk about that next year. Excellent. Okay, next question then. Um, is Jesus in the Bible, is Jesus Michael? Yes, he is. So two names. Jesus has lots of names. Right. Um, Jehovah Jireh. Messiah, uh, Jesus, Son of Man, Son of God. Hey, the Morning Star. Morning Star is another one. Is that a name for Satan as well? Yeah. Right. Um, Jesus has a number of names in Scripture. Um, Michael is just one of them. And I'm going to do this in a short, short Bible study. (laughs) But but let me just say this very quickly. Um, Michael, the actual name itself means word. uh, Who is like God? So the word Michael means who is like God. And then people say, well, he's an archangel. He's not God. And they get hung up on right. that. The, the word angel in the Greek and the Hebrew actually means messenger. And so yes. what it actually means, his name Michael, is chief messenger. messenger. Got it. Does that make sense? Got it. Who is God's chief messenger? It is Jesus. And people say, oh, well, you're saying Jesus is not God. No, quite the opposite. We, we say and we preach and we teach that Jesus is God. Um, oh, I wish I had more time on that, and that's why I'm going to do a short, short Bible study. Nice. Make sure you write the yep. Hunty writes these down. I do. We've got and quite, so, a, we've got quite a list going. We have, today. and we will get into them pretty heavily in the new year. And I love it, Hunty, because we're getting Bible studies to yes. put out uh, that are coming from our listeners and our viewers. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we move on. Yep. Um, is tithe a requirement of Christians? Ah, uh, look. When you give your heart to Jesus and you're born again, there is no doubt you will support the cause of Christ through your tithes and offerings. But it comes from your heart. Does that make sense? I've never asked someone to give if their heart's not in it. Why would you? No. But if you love the Lord and you want to advance the Lord and you want to advance his cause, then you will use your tithes and your offerings to do just that. Yep. And it is a part of... The movement and the course to give tithes and offerings. I've been doing it since I was, you know, interesting thing. I left the Lord when I was 13 or 14, never came back until I was 26 or 7, but I never lost a sense of who God was that He existed and His cause mattered. Do you know something? I had a business. Yep. A building business. Yep. Guys working for me, building things, schools and warehouses, all sorts of things, houses. I always paid tithe. Wow. I always returned tithe, 10% of my income. Wow. I gave offerings on top of that. It was a bit weird. Even when you weren't walking yeah, with the Lord. Yeah, because I just had this sense. I always knew God was there. I knew it. Yep. always knew he was real. And even though I was struggling, I wanted to, I still wanted my part in people finding the Lord Jesus. I don't know whether that makes sense, but it did nice. to me at the time and I did it. Nice. So uh, 
what's the question? Uh, is, is tithe a requirement? If, to be a Christian, do you have to pay tithe? If it's a requirement, don't do it. Because yeah. you've got it wrong. Yeah, true, true. You return your tithes and you give your offerings because you love Jesus and you're in love and you want to advance the cause. Love if it. it's a requirement, go and find Jesus. Nice. Don't worry about that question after you've found nice. or after Jesus finds you. Mate, this next question is an absolute cracker. Um, who made God? No one. I know you love that answer. Oh, well, if no one made him, then how do you get into being? He's always been. Yeah, that breaks my brain. Let it break your brain. Oh, dear. He has no beginning. There is no cause for God. He has and is and he, he was, he is, he is and he and will always, always be. be. Now, yeah. you know what? The reason we struggle with that concept. Yep. <coughs> excuse me. It's because... And you and me have talked about this. This is a big. This is a big discussion between you. We, and we had it before. We have, yeah. Look in this room, Hunty. And yeah. I've said this to you. Probably said it on radio. I've said it on TV many times. Look in this room. Yep. Name me one thing that doesn't have yeah. a beginning. Everything in here had a beginning. That TV. Yep. That one. Yep. What about that microphone you're behind? Everything. What in about here. this house you're sitting? Correct. In? By the way, let me give our our listeners, almost said viewers, viewers. <laughs> a description of where we are at the moment. Hunty is sitting in an armchair. Big. That is the most clever. Looking thing I've ever seen, <laughs> and he's got me on this wooden bench sort of thing. <laughs> it's from the Inquisition. But the, yes, it is. I, when I get up after this radio program, I creak to my feet, don't I? I chose it especially for yeah, you. Thank you, mate. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, your no worries. Love. I'm feeling the love. Feel the love. Yep. Um, but everything in this room has a beginning. Everything in this world has a beginning. Nothing we know doesn't have a beginning. True, and it has an end too. Most of it. We, we, we can kind of see into the future better, I think. We can look at eternity and go, yeah, I can kind of get that. But to go back in eternity does break the head. It does. He was here a million years ago. He, he was alive. God was alive a billion years ago. A trillion, trillion, billion, trillion, trillion, billion, trillion, trillion. Eternity. Yeah, bang. Off goes the head. Guess my brain. Maybe we'll be. this will be something that will exercise our brain for eternity. I don't know. I don't know. In a billion years, will you be here? Yep. Wow. But you won't be able to say in a trillion years I was because if you go back, say, say we're in heaven for a billion years and you go back a trillion years, we still didn't exist. Yeah, true. Kind of get a bit philosophical. Probably time to move in. It, I'd, move on. I'd say let's, <laughs> yeah. let's move on. But the Bible, let me say this before I stop. The Bible makes a huge claim and it says Jesus, Je- makes this huge claim, it says Jesus, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the Bible makes a claim over and over and over they are eternal. Awesome. Okay, mate. Alrighty. That's Shall the end we, of it, is it? It is. It's the end of it. Shall we jump to our next carol? But, but no, nah, before you do, yeah. even though we're going on Christmas holidays, yep. get your questions in. Yes, please. We'll be back on the first week, the first week of February. He will. And we'll get into them. So if they want to get those questions yes, to you, us, Hunty. You can text them to us on 0488 880851 or you can email them to us and the email address is easy. It's info at aussiepasta.com. This next song's a beauty. It is. We're going to sing it on Sabbath, actually. Good stuff. The kids are going to go up. I know because we put the program together. You've got it, Auntie. I've got it. Kids are going to go yep. up onto the stage and lead us in this one. Yeah. Because we're going to be singing a whole lot of carols at church. And this is a Christmas classic. What is it? Oh, Holy Night. Beautiful. Brightly shining, it is the night 
For him lonely 
actually, Hunty, I need to admit something here. Oh, what's that? I got myself out. They say never admit a mistake, but I don't have any problems <laughs> doing that. If you know, I make so many. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I got myself out of order here with the program. Oh, there's live programs, mate, that does that to you. I wasn't expecting that song. I was expecting a way in a manger. It's a way in a manger we're going to sing on Sabbath with the kids. That song, Oh Holy Night, I tried to slip it in as a congregational nice. song. Yes. Can, do you think congregate, congregations can sing that song? Oh, I guess it's hard. The, the musicians <laughs> put their foot down. They said no, and it's one of my favourite, actually. That, uh-huh. that was beautifully, beautifully sung. Is Simon with us? He is. Can you hear us, Simon? I can. Can you hear me? I yes, can. Mate, perfectly. I can. Thank well, you. Welcome back and Merry Christmas, Simon. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you guys as well. This is going to be your last Christmas sleeping. <laughs> yes, peacefully. Because <laughs> not too long into the new year, you're going to have a baby and your game is up, mate. So you enjoy this Christmas, okay? I will. I've heard this. Every every guy I talk to that's got kids says the same thing. Oh, last sleep, mate. Get that sleep. It's gonna be. It's gonna be over. <laughs> so tell me this: um, uh, Are you going away, or are you going to be around Sydney? Because you're a Queensland boy. You going to try and get back up there? I am a Queensland boy, but um, in the youth department in Greater Sydney, we run a lot of activities over the summer for the young people. So usually around Christmas, I don't go too far. So no we're usually around. Back in action early January. You've got all sorts of camps and things going on. I know that. Um, Lots going on. So you'll just be quite Christmas at home with the wife? and Yeah, with the wife and the in-laws this year. They oh, live okay. just up the road. Oh, so good, we'll, we'll good, good. Yeah, we'll hang out with them. You, you'll nice. go up to them? We'll go up to them and, and um, meet with them and the grandparents and, and, and that'll be a blessing. Look okay, good, good. Um, if we've got first-time listeners and they're not used to our program, Simon... Pastor Simon actually is a regular, and we've been asking him some questions about parents and kids and God and church. And we got halfway through the questions last week. We just never made it, Simon. Uh, let's blame you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hunty already blamed me. He told me through the week it was my fault. Oh, that's all good. I'm good. happy with it. <laughs> Love your work, Hunty. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to start more or less where we left off. Um, yep. Go how important is it for parents to bring their children to church on any given Sabbath? Yeah, I think for me that one is a real is a bit of a no brainer. Although for some folks it may be a difficult one, and and it's a no brainer in the sense that I think it's so so important. Yeah. That that you bring your kids to church on Sabbath. I mean, the Bible talks about how important it is for us to assemble together. Hebrews ten twenty five. Do not forsake assembling together, as we see. The day of Jesus getting closer and closer is what the Bible tells us. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to church life, we might think that it's not super exciting for our kids or, or something yeah. like that. But what we miss is so much of the stuff that goes on outside of just that, that space of the service. Like your kids actually get exposed to all sorts of different activities, um, whether that be in the youth ministry section, the Pathfinder section, the children's Sabbath school. Not only that, they get exposed to a lot of people that can actually um, add value to their life and help them to see that they're part of something bigger. And, and research actually shows that, that kids who stick around in church life usually have about five significant mentors. Yep. So if you've got mum and dad, there's nothing wrong with having that person from church as well that you know is going to be a blessing for your kid or those few people from church that you know will be a blessing. So I would say that um, 
it is so important to bring your kids well, to church. I think we would underestimate it if we didn't. What if you're taking your kids to a church that doesn't really have too many children's ministries, <laughs> the preacher has not set in the pulpit on fire, uh, still beneficial? Well, look, I still think it's better than, um, it's still better definitely than not taking your kids to church, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's something that parents have got to, I guess, work through and ask themselves, what, what situation am I in? You know, um, is it, is it better to then find a church where there's something happening for the young people? Um, <clears throat> that I guess is an option. That is one option. And maybe that's a good option for you. I don't know, but. So was, what about, also, what about the idea of creating? Ministry and, in and that it, church for those kids, even if they're your own. And I guess that's about where I was going to go. I mean, the other thing to it is, you know, church is a place where we contribute. It's and some of us kind of approach church with a very consumer um, attitude, but yeah. it's actually possible for us to to give into that space. So, hey, maybe God's brought that family there for a reason, and that reason could be to bless their young their young people as they start some sort of ministry for the young people, yeah. or. To not only bless their young people, but the families of other young people that that come along as well. So yeah, yeah, okay, very good. Um, and back backs up my own experience actually. Uh, when I left the Lord, um, it was remembering church and what used to go on at church and the the experience I had as a kid with Jesus in church that pulled me back. I don't know about you, but it had a big deal in pulling me back. Um, how would you? How important is and how would you define family worship, Father to be? Yeah, great question. And I'm talking in context of kids, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, in the context of kids, it's a little bit hard for me to answer all these questions about kids and stuff like that because I don't have kids, and I'm not, and I'm not incredibly experienced in that area. But Some would argue you have two thousand kids. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. That's I guess your, you could that's say your that. job. You have two thousand kids. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I guess yeah. you could say that. But you know, like in the context of a family, I just think. Um, to make God part of the home is so important. To make God part of all that we do is, is so important. And, and I would just say to, to parents, just put a big encouragement out there for the parents to really do that because, you know, that sort of stuff rubs off. I once heard, I once sat in a workshop with an older couple, not too old, but, you know, their kids were all grown adults, like in their 20s. Yeah, and they, yeah. and all three kids still go to church, not only go to church, all three kids turned out to be, like, actively involved in church yep. life. and. Yep. And, and they basically um, reflected and said one of the big things that stood out for us was family worship. It wasn't always fun, but basically they sat around in a circle and read the Bible and, and prayed together. It might not have taken long. Maybe it was a 10-minute thing yeah. or a 15-minute yeah. thing. But the other thing was that they saw they saw their um, dad in particular always sitting on the couch reading the Bible in the morning and stuff like that. So, you know, family worship, making God a part of your home, I think that is uh, – something that's significantly important. And I would just encourage parents, if you're not doing it, you know, it could be as simple as find something that, um, you know, like a devotional or something like that that can connect with the family. Um, You don't have to make it super long, but bring them together, sit down, enjoy that time together, pray together, and and off you go. It's just inviting God into When would you do family worship? I would imagine probably the best time is, you know, round about dinner time or somewhere there when you're coming together as a family anyway. And, um, the temp- you know, the temptation with our life today is, I think you guys were talking about it a little bit earlier, you know, you got things like um, TV shows galore. And I think some people, instead of actually connecting as a family, 
they kind of just sit there half and watching TV. They're not really talking. Maybe someone's on their phone. Maybe someone's doing something else. But I think that's probably um, a big mistake, to be honest. I think a, a great thing families can do is stop, have dinner together, have a worship together. Uh, maybe it's before dinner. Maybe it's after dinner. Whatever works for you. Mm. Um, and and then make that a sacred space each day and and roll on. Uh, that that would be my little tips. Yeah. From a guy who doesn't have that family, but yeah. as a guy who can see there's a lot of value there. I've got a little testimony here. I have a beautiful wife called Luska, and I watch her bring our son, and I'm off and away and all over the place. You know what it's like, um, Simon, and I know Hunty knows what it's like with our lives. Mm. We are all over the place. It. But I watch my wife consistently bring our son to Jesus in worship every morning and every night. And then I have the joy of watching the changes that are happening in my son, son's lives, life through the worship that my wife is so faithful in leading to. It is such a big deal, a big deal. We can't guarantee he'll follow Jesus as he gets to that age where he's at now and where he makes that choice, but he certainly has had every chance and he's had that through family worship and church. Um, uh, last question, mate. <laughs> I like this one. And I think a lot of us parents have, have experienced this one sometime or another. What do I do if my child who has left school just hangs around home? <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I just cannot get them out to get a job or do more study. They just want to play online games sometimes deep into the night. Man, that's a hard one. It is that because is- it's happening more and more amongst parents and kids these days. They yep. get lost in this online world. You've served, you've saved me up a good hard question here, guys. I, For sure. Look, if I'm if I'm really really honest with you guys, I don't know what you do, but what I what I can say is I can offer a couple of tips um, that may work. They may work. They may not work. I don't know, depending on how it works for you. But I would say number one, um, don't make it easy for them at home. So you know, if, 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 if gonna, that. brilliant. <laughs> if, if they're gonna sit around at home and kind of slack and stuff like that, get them paying some bills. Um, so they soon work out, well, hey, I've got to actually try and earn some money somehow, somewhere. Um, don't, uh, don't encourage that behavior in any way, shape or form through the way that you set up the environment in your house. That's okay. what I would say yep. as one thing. A second thing I would say is sometimes people, is something I've just worked out with people in general, um, and especially a lot of young people that we have today, some of the young people today are a bit anxious to get out and have a go and try something, and maybe that could even be behind it. Like, they, they might kind of want to, yeah, but they just, they're, they're just scared of making a mistake or stuffing yeah. it up, and they yeah. d- doubt themselves and stuff like that. And so I would say if there's any way, shape, or form that you can get along beside them to get them involved in something that's going to develop them a bit, that could also be uh, a really good thing. And I just remember when I was young, like I was about 16, I was a bit useless. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> like, you know, I was, I was. I was just stuffing around. I wasn't doing well at school. I yeah. wasn't kind of getting into much. And, and my dad basically said, all right, if that's what you're going to do, um, you, you're doing an apprenticeship. That's what you've got to do. <laughs> my dad did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So he got me a job as a plumber, as a plumbing apprentice. Nice. And um, that put me into gear because it wasn't just my dad anymore. It was I was rocking up to this work site at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, 
and with all these plumbers, and they'll tell you off pretty straight straight if you're bludgeon yeah, and all that sort of stuff in about no time. So I guess what I'm saying is he, he kind of took initiative to get me involved in something. Yeah, yes. Now, maybe that something could be something like the local Pathfinder Club at your church. Maybe it could be a charity that's happening. Maybe it could be some form of work experience. Yeah. Um, but I would just say they're my two things that I can think of where don't make it easy for them and see if you can get them involved in something. And, and encourage them on the way. I think he did pretty good for a young father indeed, to be. Indeed, indeed. And do I get the hunty approval, do you, you reckon? Do, or? mate. You know, have got four kids and that your answers make great sense. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, know, it's been a privilege to have you on our program this year. It has. Simon, and I, I do wish you guys a Merry Christmas and do enjoy it. I'm not just saying this. Do enjoy it. The greatest thing in your life other than Christ is about to happen when this little baby arrives, but it will certainly liven you up. So Merry Christmas, my friend. Yeah, mate. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Bye-bye. See you later. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Away in a major, Gina Jeffries.
beautiful little song, and the kids will be leading us that one on Sabbath at church, Hundy. Absolutely. Hey, um, we've got this last interview of the year. Yes. Are we technically challenged, or are we there? Well, we've got two guests. I think we've got one of them. Let's see. Wayne, can you hear us? No, because you're on mute. Let me fix that. I love live radio. I love live I actually, radio. <laughs> I, I actually love watching Hunty hard at work. All right. How about Stephen? Can you hear us? Let's see. Let's unmute you and see. Okay, Stephen, can you hear us? No, all right, let's do this on the let's do this on the telephone. This won't be hard. Let's get hear anything. All right, let's get going with the telephone. It's, it's always a good little backup to have. It is, and we're learning to to deal with the yep. pressure of things not working out, aren't we? We are. This is, oh, oh, that's Regan. It's Regan. <laughs> well done, Hunty. G'day, Stephen. Yeah. Today I can hear. Oh, that's great, mate! Look, turn off your um, your your other speakers other than the phone, and we'll do the interview with the phone. Now, let me try and get hold of Wayne whilst you and Lloyd say hello. How are you, Stephen? Hello, long time no see. Yeah, it's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe we'll get going on this while we try to get Wayne uh, on board, and you'll work on that, Hunty. Yep. I'm um, right. You're the Adra Country Director of the Solomon Islands. What's that mean? Um. Yeah. I've, um, I've been able to get back since um, COVID um, made us to run away from the Solomon Islands. So we've now um, come back since February this year. This is now my fifth year being the country director in the Solomon Islands since the end of um, 2016. So what do, you, what do you actually do? What does ADRA do in the Solomon Islands? Um, we have three major programming areas. Yes. Um, livelihood, so helping farmers improve their crops. Um, in the cocoa field. Yep. Um, the next thing we do is water and sanitation. So in other words, toilets and water supplies, especially targeting schools. Yep. And the third thing that we do is um, disaster preparedness and responding to disasters, so helping communities and churches um, to be ready for disasters. And should there be a disaster, then mobilizing them and working together with them to, to respond to disasters. Okay, so you're a development relief agency, is that correct? Yes, correct. We're, we are the Development and Relief Agency of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, much like Caritas is um, with the Catholic Church, Baptist Old Age, the Baptist Church, Uniting yeah. World with the Uniting Church, and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Wayne, do we have you on the phone now, mate? I'm here, mate. You can, can you hear me? Oh, we can hear you on the telephone. That's good news. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Are we live? Yeah, we're live exactly. So well, we've got Wayne and Stephen <laughs> and Lloyd and Hunty. It's four way. Okay, welcome Wayne, and you can you can butt in as we we keep going. Um, you, you did you and Wayne, what, Stephen and Wayne, did you blokes used to work with each other in the Solomon Islands? No, Stephen was there before me, um, and then we. Um, just for those of you who don't know, Wayne is our is our as a colleague of ours who works in the uh, head office of the South Pacific. Uh, has been a president out in the Solomon Islands and is friends with Stephen. There you go. Sorry, Wayne, I should have introduced you properly. Yeah, well, all, all these dropouts, mate. You know, <laughs> um, electronic dropouts, and we're we're going by the seat of our pants. That's all right. We're in. So go on, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. No, we we never crossed over. Um, Stephen went out there after I came back. I was working across in Fiji, and then um, Stephen had to be out there. But it's it's an extensive area. Yeah, you know, we've, we've got a thousand islands across the Solomons. Um, so to be a, a country director, it's not just like driving down the road and, you know, doing something that, you know, you want to 
pick up this or, or do that. It's it's a really involved job. You know, you've got to be, have the boats. You've got to have, um, you know, things in place to travel around. I see we've lost Steve there. No, for, no for Steve's, on, Steve's on the phone, mate. We've still got him. Steve's on the phone. All right. So, yeah, look, um, I guess for, for Steve, it's um, the Solomons has been back in the news on in recent weeks and the work that he's been doing out there has been even more important than, you know, I guess the, the last five years, Steve. Um, maybe, Stephen, as country director of ADRA, which stands for Adventist Development Relief Agency, what's sort of been the key role that you've been doing out there up to this point? And then we'll touch on um, what you've been doing since the, um, the unrest there in Solomons. Yeah, okay. Thanks, thanks, Wayne. Um, this year's been really quite involved. Um, with ADRA, the, the, the network, the international network, we have offices in more than, you know, 120 countries throughout the world. The whole network is going through an, um, an accreditation process. So each country office has to be accredited and meet certain minimum standards and all the rest. And it's quite involved, like a, like an audit type of thing. So it has to be compliant to make sure we have the systems and processes, the checks and balances, the accountability in place. Um, and that's, it's quite rigorous, but it's good. It's put us in a, in a good position to um, to move forward in terms of working with uh, new donors. So after being accredited at, back in the early part of the year, then we've been working on getting um, funding through uh, UNICEF and um, other ADRA offices, um, as well as the Australian government. So we've been working to put together a few proposals for um, water supplies in schools, and for sanitation awareness um, for communities. Solomon Islands is one of the highest rates of um, people not having toilets in the world and therefore have to use the open ocean or bushes or, or whatever to go to the toilet. It's wow. one of the you know least developed in, in that regard. A, a recent research by um, UNICEF, I believe it was, and WaterAid, says that... Um, 80% of um, the population doesn't have access to an improved toilet. Mm. So it's quite quite um, staggering to think that we're so close to Australia and you know things are all advanced, but just not far away, things are really quite um, yet to be developed, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> um, and neither thing um, we really yeah. just take for granted that, you know, the, the basic needs out there just, you know, are, are not there. Steve, just give us a glimpse of, you know, you, Andrew's been looking at water projects. They they help people, um, you know, with, with businesses to then start looking at, at um, um, you know, working things through. But give us a glimpse of what Andrew has been doing there since the, the difficulties of the unrest that's been happening out there. Yeah, that's... The unrest that happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago now, that was very, how would you say, shocking or, or, um, like even the local people didn't expect it to be that bad. We expected a protest to take place. Um, that, that morning we got informed by the school, um, to all the parents where my daughter goes, um, that they, there, there, there will be, um, protests taking place today, but the police have informed us that it's a medium level alert. So in other words, it, it wasn't planned or foreseen to be a total chaos, so to speak, but it um, descended into total chaos with um, 
started with uh, a march on Parliament and then the police trying to disperse the crowd with tear gas and they didn't appreciate that and um, just went on a looting and burning spree of anything in any shop nearby. So the the first is on a Wednesday afternoon where it started. Um, I think by Wednesday night, the police were out Wednesday night trying to stop people out on the streets, rioting and looting and all the rest. But even though they had a curfew, they called a snap 36-hour curfew. Um, the police were at it all night trying to stop people from rioting and looting and burning places. But um, come Thursday, I didn't see any police on the street at all. They were, like, I guess, totally knackered by then. Hey, um, it was just a free-for-all. Hey, Stephen, it's handy. Um, can I just interject yeah. with a quick question? Um, do you, mm. How are your safety concerns for your family? Do you, do you feel safe in the country right now, or are you worried for your for your for your children and for your wife? Um, to be honest, I'm not really worried because the the rioting and looting. Well, it was a protest that turned into a, a bit of a riot, um, but then it ended up being a free for all for the shops. So basically, people are heading to the shops, breaking breaking to the shops, taking what they can, and then burning it. Right, um, and that happened to sixty sixty three businesses burnt, uh, sixty three buildings burnt down in the riots. So you might have heard of the riot and burning back in two thousand and six, um, during election time, and they didn't like the prime minister. Um, this is much worse than that, um, and it, it really shocked the whole country how bad it was. It was basically total anarchy to to the shops, not yep. so much to the general pop- population. Yep. So we live on a church compound. People generally respect the churches, so no one came in. We only had one security guard working one night um, because the others weren't able to come due to transport issues and um, that kind of thing. But, you know, the good Lord is there looking after us. I've, I've, I never felt unsafe or scared for, for ourselves or our family or whatever. And I, I generally understand these people quite well. I, I grew up here as a kid um, for seven years. Um, previously, then I've worked here with ADRA for five years, and previously I worked with the Baptist working in the Solomons, but um, from Australia for the past six years previous to that. So I understand them pretty well, and I have a lot of local connections, so I didn't feel threatened in any way. It's Mate, just more inconvenient, um, but feel, feeling sorry for the damage and destruction that's taking place and knowing that the repercussions of that will be long-lasting. Mate, can I ask you what um, what the needs are in the Solomon Lunds at the moment? And also, uh, if any of our listeners want to help, uh, how can we get hold of you? Uh, so first, give us give us a list of what you guys need right now. Yeah, so in response to the riot, um, it basically, once the Australian Defence Force came in, that, that, that was able to motivate the police force to go back on the beat and um, Excellent. stop everything happening. So really, if the ADF didn't come... Um, I don't know how much would have been destroyed, but just a shout out, thank you to the ADF that came. Yep. Um, and, and stop things. And New Zealand has come and Papua New Guinea has helped as well. Um, they've sent officers as well. So uh, that, that basically was on Friday night is when the, the Australians came. On, on Sunday, people with disabilities, Solomon Islands, it's the peak body for people with disabilities, contacted us and said, please can you help us? We have a lot of people with disabilities throughout Honiara yep. who now don't have access to the shops, but at the same time, even if they did have access, the shops are now burnt. Right. Um, so please can you help us distribute some care packages? So they had 
they had a little bit of resources pulled together, um, and I was able to send um, send a call out to to our Adra network. So we work with Adra Australia, Adra New Zealand, um, and they were able to to fund a response for significant help for people with disabilities. So we were able to put together 150 care packages, which are much more significant than they were able to do. And then we worked with them off their list of um, people with disabilities throughout throughout the city. And we drove up to their house, to their place, and gave them the care package. So the care package basically had food items and health and hygiene items. Awesome. So, so we had... So quick question. Yeah. If, if people in Australia want to get behind the Solomon Islands and they want to give to help you guys, I believe there's a, an offering or a collection that's being done by ADRA Australia at Christmas time this year. Is that correct? Um, yes. So this year, um, ADRA Australia, for their Christmas appeal, they've, um, in light of the riots, and we had an earthquake previous that we responded the month before that totally destroyed a school, which we helped to um, rebuild. Um in light of all that's happened in the Solomons and with new, a new washing schools project, so water supply and schools project coming online that's funded by Adra Australia, Adra yep. Australia has said, yep. this, this year's Christmas appeal, anything we get and everything we'll get will go to the Solomon Islands to be spent in the Solomon Islands for that, either responding to disaster or for um, the development work that we're working on in the Solomon mate, Islands. Mate, that is fantastic. I'm sorry we have to leave you now. We're, we're running out of time. But for our listeners, if you go to the Adra Australia website, you can jump on board and help these guys who are doing such a great work in the Solomon Islands. Thank you so much, Stephen, for taking the time to drop into our radio program this afternoon. I pray you guys have a great Christmas and get lots of support. Hey, Steve. No worries. Thanks so much. S- Stephen. Yes. Are you going back to New Zealand for Christmas? I wish. <laughs> so you'll be having, I wish. You'll be having a tropical Ooh. Christmas. Yeah, we, we can't really leave the country because if we try, if we come back in, then it's three weeks quarantine. Okay. Oh wow. So, well, you look after um, you look after yourself over there. Stay safe. The yes, Solomon mate. Island is a fabulous place. Stay safe indeed. Beautiful people, and your ministry and what you do is very very powerful. God bless you. God mate. bless you, mate. See ya. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you so much. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. One more song, Hunty. One more song. What's yep. it going to be? That's how I want to see GR. No, I'm on once, the wrong. Once Upon a Christmas? Yeah, Kenny Rogers and Got Dolly it. Parton. A halo 
Parton's a beautiful singer, isn't she, Hunting? Wasn't it so beautifully done? I was talking to my wife the other day about Dolly Parton and how um, through the years you can tell that here's a lady who has the influence of Christ in her life. Yep. She's been married to the one man, happy family, um, just a, a good lady. Hey, um, it's Christmas time. Absolutely. And I want to just share just for a brief few minutes, Hunty. Yep. A passage in Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to look at verse 6 and 7. Okay. <coughs> you can, excuse me. Yep. This has been a challenging program today. We've had uh, technical <laughs> difficulties, I reckon, Hunty, like you've never had, you've starting had from the beginning. Funny, once you start a precedent with uh, with the technical side, it just seems to keep rolling Snowballs. on. We, we lost Wayne. Few, we didn't. We didn't. Did we have Wayne at the beginning of that interview? And yes, then unfortunately, he dropped out. We lost him yes. again, um, which yes. was very unfortunate because we we're yes. going to have a round table there. But anyway, these things happen. Isaiah lived eight hundred years before Jesus. Yep, and yet God gives him a vision about Jesus and uh, Jesus coming to the earth, and it's a beautiful vision. But in this vision, Isaiah actually gets an insight to who Jesus is and will be. It's a beauty. So remember, this is 800 years before Jesus wow. came to the earth. Wow. Isaiah is a man who in the end was murdered. He was martyred uh, by a king called Manasseh. He was actually sawn in two, but from not a crossways, but 
what would you call long that? Ways. Long ways. North south. Put in a log and then sawn into oh, it. And God, God is so merciful because the guy who killed him, a king by the name of Manasseh, God punished him big time, but he came back to God and became Israel's longest serving king. And when Isaiah gets to heaven, what, what a wonderful day that will be. Wow. Because he will have a reunion with Manasseh, the man who murdered him. You know what? Only Jesus can do that. And that's kind of what the Christmas story is. It's about a Jesus who brings healing, bridges divides, and gives us all opportunity for heaven. I think it's a beautiful thing. And that's why I don't worry about people who go, oh, well, Jesus wasn't born at Christmas. Well, we know that. doesn't mm. matter. Mm. I'll take any excuse I can to celebrate, to celebrate Jesus, Jesus yeah. his birth, and what it meant. Me too. Now, I want to have a look at this just very quickly. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Here's the prophecy. 800 years before Jesus was born. You got it, Auntie? I got it. Yep. Auntie, you yep. want to yep. read it? Sure. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Guess who that is? Jesus Christ. That's right. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. Uh, now I want you to note this, Auntie. Yes. What's Jesus called? He's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How good's that? I just wow. Want, I just want to stop there for a moment. We'll read the second verse in a moment. Yep. Here's the prophecy of Jesus 800 years before he was born. Yep. Now, Jesus, of course, existed in heaven at this time. He was God on his throne. Yep. So this is 800 years before he came to earth and became a human being. And he is called, Isaiah wants you to know, the reader, who Jesus is. Well, wonderful counsellor, yep. Yep. Mighty. Mighty. God. God. Jesus is God in human form. Yep. I like this one. Everlasting, Everlasting father. father. Beautiful. We often think of the Father as the Father, God the Father. Yep. But Jesus is our Father too. In fact, yep. all the terms for Jesus, uh, let me say that again, all the terms for God in the Old Testament yep. can be used for Jesus in the New. Did you know that? Wow. Every single term, including this one, Father. Everlasting Father, Prince of, Prince Peace. of Peace. Now yeah. watch this, Hunty, because yep. this, is, this is really powerful. Yep. Verse 7. Yep. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Yeah, Jesus is going to come as a baby. He is, when he gets up on the cross, he claims this world as his own. Yep. And the Bible says here, he will reign for eternity. Beautiful. Hunty, I could wish you a lot of things this Christmas. Yep. I could wish you Merry Christmas. I could wish you lots of presents. I could wish you a, a wonderful holiday. But yep. above all, yes. and to our listeners, I wish you and our listeners, Jesus. He was mourning for his people, slaves in exile for all their sin. Then the dawn down by the river Struck down and silent when he saw him Clothed in white, face like lightning Golden linen, his voice a cry Vision bright
Australian singers too, that one. Hmm. I want to just read you a passage of scripture as we finish. And this is a passage of scripture about the shepherds after they had seen the angels sing in the sky. Yep. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph. And I mean Luke chapter 2, verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned to the fields glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so you have here, Hunty, the beginning of the story of Jesus. Nice. Who lived 33 years on this earth, did so much good, Mm. and came to save us. Yep. And, of course, the climax of Jesus' time on the earth when he was put up on the cross with yours and my sins. And so this Christmas we have a good time, mm. but above all else, we're going we're gonna to be eating, we're going to be celebrating, we're yep. going to get gifts, a lot of people, but above all else I want you and I want to encourage our listeners mm. to take a moment mm, and genuinely you. think about Jesus, thank Jesus, Saviour yeah. of the world. Yep. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being with us this whole year on this radio program. We've had ups and downs and technical challenges, but we've made it, and I praise your name. Bless our listeners, Lord, as they now Mm, go into Christmas. Keep them safe. And may we all remember the tremendous sacrifice you made in coming down here to earth to save us. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you, thank you from our hearts with everything we have. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you for being with us in 2021. Look forward to seeing you that first week in February 2022. Yep. Won't be far away, Hunter. No, it'll come on us real quick. Until then, God bless you and keep you safe. Enjoy your holidays. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. And my name's Hunty, and we love you. We do love you. 
Oh, let, let's do that again. Okay. Well, let's finish the end in style. Get it right once. My, eh? my name reckon. is Lloyd Grollam and I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty. And he's our producer. And we... And we love you. But not as much as Jesus does. God bless you. See you next year. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 